you shall not commit adultery. And we'll find out why today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Sex is fire. The only place for fire is in the fireplace. And marriage is the fireplace. That's the safe confines of the sexual relationship. That's the way God made it and God intended. And we can say, I'm not going to play with fire. He can heal every scar. Our society today has literally degraded and really discarded the Seventh Commandment. But there's a good reason why that commandment was written by the finger of God on a tablet of stone. And though people in our world today have discarded and broken the commandment to not commit adultery, they don't even realize that they are broken on that Seventh Commandment. This is From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Thank you for being with us today for the message entitled, The Sacredness of Sex. We're in part two today. It's from Pastor Jeff's new 10-message series, Written in Stone, a study of the Ten Commandments. Now, in the lesson we're about to hear, Pastor Jeff's going to share what the Seventh Commandment really means to you and me as it relates to the sacredness of sex within the confines of marriage and the damage it will cause that is far-reaching in scope if we ignore this guardrail God has provided for our safety. Now, if you missed part one from last time, you can catch up online at fromhisheart.org, or you can get the entire series for a gift of any amount to From His Heart this month. Just go to fromhisheart.org for details. Right now, open your Bible to Exodus chapter 20, and let's continue learning about the sacredness of sex. Here again is Pastor Jeff. So we want to look today at this command, very simple, straightforward command. You shall not commit adultery and unpack what all that means to you and to me today as it relates to the sacredness, the holiness of the sexual union between a husband and a wife. So three insights. Number one, God created sex solely for the safe confines of marriage. And that is how God set it up, the blueprints of marriage. It's designed for oneness in the marriage. The two shall become one flesh. Now, that happens physically when a man and his wife come together in the marriage. We talk about the consummation of the marriage where you come together as one flesh. And God created men and women different so that they would complement one another. And it's oneness, not just physical oneness, but it's to be a oneness in marriage of body and soul and spirit. And it's pictured in the beautiful union of the sexual relationship. Secondly, God designed sex for procreation in the marriage. And he said to Adam and Eve in a summation chapter, Genesis chapter one, in verses 27 and 28, and God created man In his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So we learn some things right off the bat that our world seems to have forgotten that there are two sexes and there are two genders and sex and gender are connected, and you cannot separate those things. So 
We learn a lot from the book of Genesis. We learn that God made them male and female, and God made Adam and God made Eve, and God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. How do we do that? We do that through the sexual relationship between Adam and Eve, between a husband and his wife. So God created sex for procreation in the marriage. And thirdly, he designed sex for pleasure in the marriage. You know, the Lord could have made it to where the sexual union between a husband and wife was just neutral, was, there was no pleasure involved. But he didn't create it like that. He created it where there's this, this fire, there's excitement, and there's pleasure involved. So when we think about sex in marriage, see, God designed it only in marriage. Think about sex this way. Sex is like fire. It's like a roaring fire. In your home, there's only one place for a roaring fire, and that's the fireplace. You don't want a roaring fire in your attic. You don't want a roaring fire in the living room rug. You, don't, you want it only in the fireplace. So sex is fire, and marriage is the fireplace, and God says, hey, I want you to have a roaring fire, but only in the safe confines of marriage. So that's the first insight. God created sex solely for the safe confines of marriage. It is sacred. It is holy in marriage. Second insight. Adultery is a sexual sin that attacks the sanctity of marriage, the purity of marriage, the the holiness of marriage. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, the married and the unmarried. Hold marriage in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Fornicators and adulterers. Now, in the seventh commandment, is God only saying, you shall not commit adultery, but you can commit fornication. So if you're not married, uh, you can have sex with lots of people as long as they're not married. No, the seventh commandment forbids adultery and fornication. Fornication is what people do when they're not married and they have sex with someone who is not married. They haven't committed adultery, but they have committed fornication. And Hebrews 13.4 says, fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. The Lord is very clear about this and he's very strong about this. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. So it forbids both of those things. Secondly, it forbids any sexual immorality. So you take the Bible and you start piecing the Bible together with other parts of the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God. Lots of people want to know, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? What's the will of God for my life? This is the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, the word that's used there in the Greek is pornea, from which we get our word pornography. And pornea is a very broad term. It covers all types of sexual immorality. It covers adultery. It covers fornication. It covers homosexuality. It covers all sorts of bestiality. It covers just a big blanket term. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Adultery, a sexual sin that attacks and robs and destroys the sanctity of marriage. And then insight number three, the good news, 
we can safeguard our lives from this devastating sin. Now, I realize that I'm talking to people and you might be here and you're like, I don't like this sermon at all because this is hitting really close to home. And I realize that. You know, you can't unscramble eggs and things that you've done in the past that you wish you could go back and redo, well, you can't do that. All you can do is make things right. But what you can do from this morning onward is to say, hey, I'm going to safeguard my life from the devastating sin of pornea, of sexual immorality, of adultery, and of fornication. And I'm going to take uh, God's word to heart. Let, the mar- let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. And God, I don't want to be a fornicator or an adulterer. I don't want to participate in sexual immorality. It is your will that I abstain from sexual immorality. So how can we safeguard our lives in the world in which we live that's just permeated with sexual immorality, just coming out from every orifice of the nation? How do we protect ourselves? First of all, we can make a covenant with our eyes. As Job said in Job 31 verse 1, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? How then could I look upon a maid? You know, the software company uh, Covenant Eyes, they took the name of their company from Job 31.1. And uh, we know that uh, the the internet and uh, digitally, that's a big, big problem for people, big, big problem for guys and a growing problem for girls, looking at things we shouldn't look at on the internet. Well, I have made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to look to lust for women. Now, remember, the eye sees what the heart desires. So it's always a heart issue. And you got to go back to the heart and say, why does my heart desire these things? God, give me a heart. Give me a passion for you that far exceeds my passion for anything else. That's a prayer I pray on a consistent basis. Because as Robert Robinson uh, wrote in that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. As Jesus told the church in Ephesus, I have this against you. You have left your first love. You don't love me like you used to. You're wandering from me in your love. It's not white hot like it used to be. So it's always a heart issue. But we can say with Job, okay, I'll make a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to let my eyes look upon a maid. You know, when we think about David, David, that great man of God, David, who had a heart for God, but David, who had a terrible, horrible sin, 2 Samuel chapter 11, came about in the spring of the year when the kings go out to battle that David didn't go. And David was lounging around in his palace And he got up at the end of the day. People normally get up from bed at the beginning of the day, but he had been in bed all day. He gets up at the cool of the day. He walks about on the roof of his palace and he sees this beautiful woman bathing and her name was Bathsheba. And David, he looks and that right there is the temptation. You look, you saw her. He didn't go out there to see her. He didn't go out to say, I think I got it timed out. Bathsheba takes a bath at 6 p.m. He didn't do that. He is just innocently walking on his palace, and he sees her. And all of a sudden, he's confronted with a temptation. Proverbs 22, verse 3, the prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the naive go on and are punished for it. And David knew he should have turned away, but he didn't turn away. 
and the look turned to longing and the longing turned to lusting and the lusting turned to laying. And David got his counselors together, his, his entourage and said, who is this woman? And they said, that is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. She's married, David. David called for her and had a night of passion with her. And it was one night that wrecked the rest of his life, that wrecked his family. One night. There's a high price to pay for sexual immorality. How would David have done if he had said with Job, I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to look upon a maid. I'm not going to gaze at a virgin. And I'm not going to allow that to fester in my heart. So you and I can make that covenant with our eyes and we can get covenant eyes on our computer and we can have an accountability partner that helps us in that strong area of temptation. Secondly, we can decide not to play with fire. What did we say earlier? Sex is fire. The only place for fire is in the fireplace. And marriage is the fireplace. That's the safe confines of the sexual relationship. That's the way God made it and God intended. And we can say, I'm not going to play with fire with other people. Proverbs chapter 6, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Of course not. Can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. So we can make the choice now to say, I'm not going to go in, that, in, the, in the way of temptation. I'm not going to play around with fire. You see somebody that you find very attractive, you just keep your distance from that person. You just know, hey, I find you very attractive, so therefore, I'm going to always keep my distance from you. I've had to do that through my life because you're always going to find somebody. Uh, you meet people all the time. You think, oh, that person's very, very attractive. Keep your distance from them. Well, foolish is the man who says, well, I find this person very attractive. I think I'm going to spend time with them. You're married to somebody else. You don't need to be spending time with this person you find attractive. Hey, if you don't want to fall down, don't walk in slippery places. And so, therefore, the one who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. And we have people getting into uh, emotional affairs. Uh, how, how does that work, an emotional affair? Well, women are very emotional. Women typically don't go right away for the physical affair. Men want the physical affair. Women want the emotional affair. And emotional affairs always lead to physical affairs because that's just the, the flow of it. And so you can say, hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to play with fire. You know, David blew it. Big time, cost him big time. It, the sword was never going to depart from his family because of his sin. Because of what you did, David, Nathan, the prophet said, uh, you have given occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme. Serious, serious sin. And he followed up his sin of adultery by having Uriah the Hittite killed in battle. He followed that up with murder. I mean, just horrible. And he's a man after God's own heart. So we can take some encouragement from that saying, okay, as bad as what happened with David, we know that God still forgave him and God still used him. He would tell you and me today if he could come up and preach, don't do what I did. It cost me big time. Does God forgive sin? Yes, but sin leaves scars and don't go there. 
Much better to follow the example of Joseph in the Bible, Joseph in the book of Genesis. Remember, Joseph was a very handsome guy, a very capable guy. He's, he's in charge of everything in Potiphar's house as the, the number one slave in Potiphar's house. And Mrs. Potiphar saw how handsome and capable and winsome was Joseph, and she wanted to have sex with him. And day after day, she would say, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me. And he said, I can't do that. He said, how can I sin against God by doing that? And Potiphar has put me in charge of everything that he owns. The only thing that's off limits is you. And I'm not going to sin against God by doing that. Well, one day, it, as it turns out, it's just Potiphar's wife and Joseph. And they're in, they're in the house. All the other servants are out of the house. And she grabs him by his coat and says, lie with me. And Joseph, what does he do? He spins out of his coat and he runs. He didn't try and talk to her about it. He didn't try and say, well, let's, let's pray about this. I don't think this is a good thing. Let's pray about it. No, he got out of there. He saturated that place with his absence. And that's what the Bible says do. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and follow the example of Joseph. And when you are close to the fire like that, get out, get out. Hey, we, we resist the devil and he will flee from us, but we don't fight against sexual temptation. We flee sexual temptation. We get away from sexual temptation. Debbie used to tell our girls, listen, if you want to remain pure, girls, it's the three words you need to remember. It's just like real estate, location, location, location. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to fall. Get out of there and don't put on the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 13, 14 says, and make no provision for the flesh with regard to its lusts. So we can decide ahead of time, I'm not going there. I'm not going to play with fire. And then thirdly, we can remember the high cost of sexual sin. The high, high cost of sexual sin. Hey, the Bible talks about Moses. And it says that Moses chose ill treatment with the people of God rather than choosing the passing pleasures of sin. Sexual immorality, there is pleasure in that, just like there's pleasure for a fish to nibble on the bait until the hook comes into play, and then that fish wishes he had never started to nibble on the bait. We need to elevate the high cost of sexual immorality. I still remember watching a, an interview that Oprah Winfrey did with a woman who had given herself over to sexual immorality. She did a lot of sexually explicit movies and she was talking to Oprah and Oprah was asking her, well, why did you get out of that industry? And she said, I was in the shower one day and she said, I was washing myself with soap and I could not wash off the filth. And I had a nervous breakdown and I had to go to a place for a while to get my mental health back. Couldn't wash off the filth. Hey, there's a high, high price for that. It destroys. It's the fire that gets out of the fireplace and it'll burn your life to the ground. I was listening to an Adrian Rogers sermon this week and he quoted from Kent Hughes. He said, guys, listen to this. When you as a father, as a husband and father, commit the sin of adultery, this is what you say to your kids. Kids, your mother's not worth much. Kids, 
Your dad is a cheat and a liar. Kids, honor is not nearly as important as pleasure. And kids, my own personal satisfaction is more important to me than you are. Four devastating messages. And we need to remember that because, listen, I think that every Christian guy wants to be a man of honor, a man of integrity. Every Christian dad wants to be a dad that kids can look up to. We want to be able to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I walked with you. Lord, I walked in the light. Lord, I dealt with the sin in my life, and I didn't let that foul and fester. Hey, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, us with God, and the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Listen, we can't change what we've done in the past. We can own what we've done in the past. We can make things right, make things right with God, make things right with those we've hurt. And we can trust God to bring about restoration, forgiveness, change, because he's in the business to do just that. As you've listened today, perhaps you've realized the terrible mistake you've been making in believing that this commandment from God was optional. Maybe it's dawned on you that the damage you've caused others is a harmful example, and that regret and shame you may be feeling is actually a good thing. It's the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention and let you know that you need to turn from your sin and surrender your all to the Lord Jesus Christ and give Him everything. He'll heal that wound and walk with you on a new path of forgiveness and grace. That's great news. None of us deserve to be forgiven, but it is a free gift as we turn to Him alone to forgive us and give us a new life in Him. To help you, we'd like to invite you to go online fromhisheart.org, click the Why Jesus link, where you'll find some resources there to bring you some clarity, purpose, and peace in His arms. God bless you in your journey. Today's lesson was called The Sacredness of Sex, one of ten in Pastor Jeff's new series, Written in Stone, a study of the Ten Commandments that we've been in all month. It can be yours on USB flash drive, a digital download, CDs or DVDs, your choice, when you make a gift to From His Heart this month of any amount to support the outreach we have around the world. To get your copy, call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, or go online to fromhisheart.org. And know that you'll be blessed by these in-depth teachings and inspired to live your life seeking to please God by obedience to His commands. You can also share these with others who need Christ in their life. Again, call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, or go online to fromhisheart.org. And thank you so very much for joining with us in this worldwide ministry effort to teach truth in love to a lost and hurting world. God bless you. Listen, when you do go online, we hope you'll sign up to receive the weekly Real Hope email encouragement letter from Pastor Jeff. You'll get that in your inbox every Friday morning. And also online, you can listen to the daily Real Hope Minute from Pastor Jeff and discover hundreds of other messages and series from Pastor Jeff that'll bring you real truth, love, and hope each and every day. Plus, you can go there and easily connect with us on social media. The web address again, from his heart.org. 
Well, thanks for joining us today on From His Heart, and we pray that you'll be right back here next time when Pastor Jeff Shreve will reveal the deeper truths found in the Eighth Commandment about the damage we can do when we bear false witness against our neighbor. Learn why lying is so harmful to us and others. Next time, when we'll again open God's Word and share real truth, love, and hope from His heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who for 20 years now has been broadcasting the truth and love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.